0: Good morning, First Baptist Church of China Grove. This is Chris O'Gwynn coming to you uh, via YouTube, via the Internet, over the ways. And we're going to talk today about the calling of God and how immediate it is. The title of my sermon today is The Time is Now. You know, we're all creatures of habit, and as human beings... We tend to procrastinate. Why do today what you can put off till tomorrow? You might say is our byword, but God has a different kind of schedule, and we want to talk about that today, about the immediacy of God's calling. God is calling us. I direct you this morning to the book of Exodus chapter 3, but before we get started There are many in our congregation sick. There are few with the coronavirus. Now, there are some with cancer and all various illnesses, as well as uh, people are facing trials and troubles, and our country has troubles, and uh, we've just got a lot of burden to pray for. And so this morning, let's begin in a word of prayer, and I want everyone to just relax your mind for a moment and focus on the Word of God, and focus on spiritual things, and focus on eternal things. And let's not look at all the negativity going on around us. And let's do pray for those sick as well who need us. Lord, we come to you, and we ask you by the grace of God that you help us. That you help us, and that you will comfort and heal those that are sick. Lord, there are many among us who are sick with different forms of illness. And Lord, you are the God of all flesh. And we pray, Lord, your blessing this morning. I know that a lot of people will be listening, even there are some people out of state now that are listening to our broadcast. And we thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you for being able to come via this medium and pray this will continue throughout the future. Lord, we give thanks today for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Without Him, we would have no hope in this world. We would have no way. And yet, through Christ, a way has been made. The way, the truth, and the life to heaven. And we have eternal life because of the Son. He who has the Son has eternal life. We give you praise and glory and honor and thanks. In the name of Jesus, amen. In Exodus chapter 3, we find Moses, having fled Egypt, he has been in this land for 40 years, a desert land, an arid land, tending the flocks of Jethro. And one day, as it happens, he's returning from the flocks, and he sees a burning bush, And the bush burns, but it's not consumed. It continues to just burn, but not not consuming it. That would be interesting to see. And he turned aside to see this great sight. And out of the bush, God called him. And he said, Moses, Moses, verse 4. And Moses said, here am I. And God is calling all of us as believers to his service. We need to respond, here am I. As Isaiah did, he said, here am I, Lord, send me. God said, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. And he told Moses, draw nigh, put off your shoes. The place which you stand is holy ground. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And God went on to tell Moses, I've seen the affliction of the people in Egypt. And they cry unto me, and I know their sorrows. I have come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them into the promised land. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here. And the the cry is great. They're oppressed. They're in slavery. Oppression. And I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, that you will bring up the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses responded, not with the arrogance that he'd had 40 years earlier when he slew the Egyptian, but with the humility of a man who is seen his life crumble before his eyes, a man who's been very humbled. And Moses said, who am I that I should go, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And he says, Moses, says, what shall I tell him your name is? And God says this in verse 14, and here we are. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Tell the children of Israel, I am, has sent you, me unto you. I am. Not only is that a signification that God is a self-eternal existent being, which is a deep meaning of it, but it also tells us that God is very much a God of the present. God didn't say, I was God, or I will be God. He says, I am. And I always like to point that out in talking about this story. Our God is not interested in what you used to be. That's history. And you may think, well, I've had a checkered past, or this or that. Nobody could be worse than Saul. He killed Christians. God is not interested in what you used to be. He's not even interested in what you think you're going to be tomorrow, what you plan on being. God is interested in the calling upon our lives today. And that's what he was telling Moses. Moses, I need you now. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, but now. Now is the time. And God is calling us, every believer, I believe in the United States of America To stand up today, pray, and stand for Jesus Christ as never before. I think our faith is going to be challenged as never before. And we will have to stand for God. And that stand is today. It starts today. And so we need to realize that our God is very much, again, a God of the present. He's not, you know, you can promise God anything tomorrow, right? Right? And I've seen a lot of people do that. Lord, if you'll get me through today, I promise you this tomorrow. And very rarely are those promises ever kept. My idea, if you're going to serve God, start today. Somebody started one time, they came forward to dedicate their life and said, when should I start next week, Pastor? I said, you know, you start this afternoon, right after the service. If you're dedicating yourself to God, you start now. Well, I've heard a lot of football coaches, and that is truthful. You're in a rough game or a championship game, and, they, and the old coach made the statement, Tomorrow, tomorrow, there is no tomorrow. There's only right now. Today, the game is before us today. Tomorrow, it'll be over with. And you can talk about next year or tomorrow, all you want, but today is all that matters. And God is very much that way. The old preacher, I heard one time an old preacher say, listen, tomorrow is just an elusive dream. It is. God is interested in what you're doing for Him today. God is interested in the present. God is interested in your testimony today, your service today, not tomorrow. Now he's interested in tomorrow, but not as much as what you do today. And somebody else said this. This is not original with me. Yesterday is a canceled check. And tomorrow is a promissory note. Only today is ready cash. So we have to remember that. The only time we can spend for God today is today, right now. We have no other time to spend than the present. Future is future. Past is past. But let's talk about one thing that's very important to all people. And maybe you're listening this morning in the sound of my voice. Maybe you're, you're going to be listening Sunday morning outside in the outside service. When is God calling us to be saved? And I hear a lot of people say, well, I'll put that off. I'll wait till I'm a little older. Or I'll wait till the time is right. Or I'll wait. I'm ready to die. That's not true. Turn to 2 Corinthians 6.2. 2 Corinthians 6, two. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now, now, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The Holy Spirit, according to John 14 through 16, it's scouring the world right now. Convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. And when we talk about when is the time of salvation, it's now, right now, today. Today is the time. God is calling you through His Holy Spirit to join with Him in faith and become part of the household of God. Now notice, I didn't say God's calling you to join the church, or God's calling you to be baptized. God is calling you to be saved. Now that's totally different. That means God is calling you to believe on Jesus Christ as the one who went to the cross, who shed his blood, who died for our sins, who rose again from the dead, to give us eternal life and to trust him, and the Holy Spirit will come in and give us new birth, new life. And that's salvation. It's not of anything we do. It's not of our works. It's not of our efforts. It's something God does in our heart upon belief and faith and trust in Him. Have you trusted Christ? Today is the day of salvation. And I say that in the very beginning. We're not going to wait till late in the sermon to give the gospel. We're going to do it now. And if you haven't accepted Christ, bow your head right now and call on Jesus to be saved. Because now... Is the time of your salvation. Amen. And why be lost? And I put the question here. There's two things I want to ask you if you're in that condition. Why be lost one more day? One more day. What if Jesus comes today? Why be lost one more day and give me a good reason to continue to be lost one more? There's no good reason... To live in your sin one more day. There's no good reason to live with the debt of sin upon you. There's no good reason to be lost one more day. Today is the day of your salvation. I want us to turn now over to Hebrews chapter 3. The book of Hebrews. Hebrews. Somebody said that. Hebrews proves in the Bible that men should make the coffee, right? Hebrews, right No. Hebrews was written to the Hebrews. <laughs> a little bit of humor there, <clears throat> but he says this, and again, we're seeing a pat- we're going to see a pattern this morning. We're going to see a pattern all the way through that the expectancy of God is always in the present. Okay, So he comes to the church in Jerusalem, and he's sending a message, and I believe this is Paul writing this, and Paul says, verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works, forty years. Today. And then verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today lest there be any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin folks the message of the holy spirit to the church in jerusalem was today hear his voice not tomorrow But today, listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Listen, and I say this to you as Christians, as people of this church. What is the Holy Spirit saying to your heart today? Today, open up your heart and mind and listen to what God has to say. Hear His voice. You say, I don't want to hear. Well, if you don't, a very... very Interesting thing happens. It mentions it here being hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin will deceive you, and disobedience will deceive you, and you will harden your heart to God. And you say, What does that mean? That means when God calls, it's something like this. He's calling, saying, Hey, this is God calling! But the next time he calls, us, hey, this is God calling. And the next time he says, hey, this is God calling. And then the next time he says, hey, this is God calling. And the next time, hey, this is God calling. You see what's happening? If you were to flip over a few pages in this book, Paul says these people are dull of hearing and can't hear anymore. They can't hear what God's saying to them. Why? They've gotten hardened. So, when we don't respond, if God's working in our heart about things, and we, we say, Oh, no, Lord, I know, God, then we become hard. Not God does it, but we do it to ourselves. We become hardened to the voice of God through the Holy Spirit in our hearts, and we can't hear what God is saying anymore. And then finally, we're just kind of like spiritually deaf. And then it's going to take a heartbreak to God to get you through and to get you reoriented. And we're backslidden at that point. But do respond. Listen, when God calls, respond to what he has to say. Well, listen to God today. Today, if you will hear his voice, also says exhort one another. Now, you, we don't ever use that word. I, I never go into church and say, Chad, I want to exhort you today. But I might say, Chad, I'd like to encourage you today. That's what modern English translation, that's what it means. It's simply exhort is the old English word, what they used to say, what we say today for encourage. Encourage. I want to encourage you. And we, we should do that daily. Listen to me. Today, exhort one another daily while it is called today. We need to encourage one another's believers. Lift up one another. Encourage one another. Look, every person is having some problem or toughness in their life. We all are struggling to get through. We all need the grace of God. We all need each other. We all need the love of God. And we need the encouragement of the saints. I mean, we ought to love each other and show that love and encourage one another. And let me just say to you this morning, just a side sermon, encourage one another a lot. A lot. I know it's social distancing. I want to put my arm around people. You know, I'm a physical person. I want to hug everybody and put my arm around them. And, and it's been a little difficult. And I'm trying to figure out new ways to encourage. Since I always did it physically. So I'm having to think of words. And... uh But I'm working on it. I'm doing the fist bump and the elbow bump, and maybe we'll do the thing. I don't know what we're going to do, but encourage one another. Well, let's look at John chapter 9, verse 4. We have an interesting verse here. Jesus is speaking and says this, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Now, Jesus is simply saying here that as we have the opportunity to work for God and do for God, we should. You know, I would love, love, love to be able to do what I did when I was young and knock on a lot of doors. But, you know, after going down two or three sets of steps, I'm about finished. I can't do that anymore. Only, a matter of fact, we did canvassing at my previous church. I said, okay, find me a neighborhood. It's built on slabs, and I, they would always send me to a, a neighborhood where they slab houses. You know, our, in fact, our house is built on a slab, uh, so I don't have to go up steps. And I said I can do that, and I did that. And I worked, I got a lot of church members out of uh, that slab neighborhood. By the way, it was a nice neighborhood, but it was all built on slabs. And I think we got three, or four families out of that neighborhood. But you know, it's it's a problem. When we get to where you know the things we say. Well, I'll do that for God tomorrow. I'll, I'll teach Sunday school tomorrow. I'll do that next year. Uh, I'll do this next year, and and you know what happens? Next year never comes. Or someday we're gonna say, well, you know, I could do that for God, but Jesus, look, when Jesus comes, the work is over. The work on earth is over. It's through. It's finished. There's no more work to do. We're in heaven. We're sitting in the in the stands with the rest of the cloud of witnesses. If we go on to be with the Lord, if we go to be with the Lord right now, we're going to be sitting in those stands along with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and uh, Moses and everybody else, and, and we're just we're doing the cheer work in heaven. We're cheering them on, and but we have no impact here on earth. This is, and if you saw the uh, uh, Christmas Carol by Scrooge, you saw. That Marley, his partner, had died, and all that he sought to do good, he realized is wrong. He couldn't do anything. He could not do anything to affect the human race. Now his opportunity to do good for man was gone. Our opportunity to serve Christ is fading away every day. As we get older, we get less energetic. We get uh, the knees don't get better. The arthritis don't get better. We we do less and less, so on and so forth. And we have to find better ways, but while we've got the health, while we've got the opportunity, while we've got the stamina, while we've got the, the wherewithal to do for Christ, and as long as we can, we should do, and as long as I can preach for Christ, I'm going to preach. I want to be like Jim Harris. I want to be 84, 86, however old he is, and still be preaching. Uh, Jim says, uh, I guess I'm going to be his Elisha. He says, he's, I guess he's Elijah, and I'm going to be... Follow him and be Elisha. But uh, in any event, do today. Today, the, the time is coming when we can't work anymore. The time is coming when the opportunity will go. You've heard that song. Have you ever heard that song, Excuses, Excuses, Excuses? You know, you hear them every day. Come on, I know you know that song. And he says, people don't do this or that. The devil gives them excuses. Satan will load you up with excuses. He will. He will. He'll give you every excuse in the world why you can't come to church this Sunday. Why you can't do this. Why you can't give to God. Why you can't whatever it is. He'll give you every excuse in the book. Well, that that extends to another area. I'd like you to look with me at John chapter 4 this morning. We're nearing the end, but not at the end yet, so don't get antsy on me. John 4, 35. I want to give you some background on this verse. Jesus is left by himself, and the disciples go away. It's a very poignant thing at this time. You know so much racial tension in America today, uh, unjustified, I believe. But the Samaritan woman was of a different race than the Jews. They were they were half ethnically half Jew, and the Jews hated them because they were mixed lineage. They literally hated them. Matter of fact, the Jews were taught in their religion at that time wrongly. This is not what God intended. This is what they taught to hate Gentiles and Samaritans. And of course that's one of the reasons Jesus came and condemned the Hebrew Hebrew religion because that's not what God taught. God never teaches us to hate people. But they were they literally taught you to hate Gentiles and hate Samaritans. And this he meets this woman at the well, she's a Samaritan, and interacts with her and, lead, and leads her to salvation and faith in himself as the Messiah. And her first reaction is, we don't have any dealings with you. We, you know, we don't have any interaction. You're Jew, I'm a Samaritan. But Jesus said, time's coming. Those that worship God will do it in spirit and truth. Listen, there's no divisions in the Bible ethically, racially. No such thing. Uh, we all had Adam as father. We all had Noah as an ancestor. And whatever we are, we might be different skin colors. We're all humanly of the same lineage. And that can be proven, in fact, we all have Adam's sin nature. Amen? <laughs> we all have the same nature. And that's, that proves that we're related. And uh, so when it comes to mankind, I don't understand really all this. They're just people. There's people. We, I always say that there's different shades of people. You know, um, But you know we see a lot of this day it's 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 sad and it's a shame on both both sides why can't we just be people huh but let's go on here so the disciples come back and of course they've got all these prejudices built up in them and they say jesus why are you talking to this woman not only is she a samaritan woman look they probably know her reputation and her reputation is horrible okay She does not, it's not a woman of good reputation. And they say, Jesus, you're talking to a Samaritan. And not only that, a bad Samaritan. And Jesus tries to teach them something. And he says this to them. First of all, he tells them to do the will of the Father. Then he says this to them. And this is where they spiritually have missed the boat. Say you not, there are yet four months And then comes the harvest. Lift up your eyes. I say, to you lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white already to harvest. What was Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, if you could see with spiritual eyes, you would see that this woman here before you has a soul, and she's headed to heaven or hell. And she's the soul for whom I am going to go to Jerusalem and die for her sins. And you would know that she's part of the harvest. That everyone on earth is part of a harvest. And that's why when Jesus gave the Great Commission, He said, To all nations, black, white, peoples, everyone, all nations of men on the earth, the gospel would go to everyone. And here he tells them, lift up your eyes. Open your spiritual eyes and see when is the harvest. And church, when is the harvest? Next year? Five years? Ten years? No. The harvest is now. It's cotton picking time now. It's time to harvest. It's time to, to Reach out and touch people for Jesus. I told you that people are thinking more about death than they ever had with this coronavirus thing. Not only that, the racial issue hey, people are thinking about race. But what better way to reach out to somebody of color, even, and say, you know, God loves you, and I do too? You know, to pray for people. Even if you, boy, and I tell you, there's some I don't agree with, but I pray for them. And I love them in the Lord. And I pray they come to Jesus. And I pray all these people that are filled with hate in America will understand. I heard a black preacher the other day preaching. He says, I'd like to grab some of those young men off the street and tell them God loves them more than others hate them. Amen. Amen. Well, we need to know that God loves us more than anybody hates us. Amen. That's what we need to know. But when is that harvest? That harvest today. Harvest is now. Never in my lifetime has the church, I believe, been called to do the work as greatly. Never has the call, I believe, been as great on the church as it is in 2020. Planet Earth. I think we're in a time, the calling of the church is great. And we cannot any longer put off the harvest. We can't say wait four months. We have to open our spiritual eyes and look out there and see people. Not black people, not white people, but people for whom Jesus died. Souls for whom Jesus died, no matter who they are. And we have to see, just like Jesus saw the Samaritan woman. He didn't see a Samaritan woman. He saw a woman that needed, needed faith. He saw a woman that needed forgiveness. He saw a woman that needed to find faith in Him. And that's what we need to see. It's a challenge to the church. Church, quit making excuses. Salvation is today. And how you say, well, how could we know the right time? Well, the right time is now. Sow seeds. You go out there and you say, well, n- nobody got saved. Didn't you share Jesus with people? Let me tell you something. I got saved in 1972. But that was not the first time I ever heard the gospel. Pastor Ellis of Trace Creek Baptist Church came to our home one time. Let me tell you why. Because a lot of the boys, John and David Ellis of Trace Creek Baptist Church, Southern Baptist Church, in my home community, had an RA program. And they'd say, hey, to all the boys at school, y'all want to come over and play softball this afternoon after church? Or after school? After, after school? We said, Yeah, we want to go play softball and we would get on the bus and we'd ride to the church with David and John. And we'd get out and we for an hour we'd get the softballs out, we play softball and we play ball with our gloves and softballs and bats. And then we'd go in for a meeting and we'd learn scripture verses and somebody would give a little talk and we'd have some Kool Aid and cookies and that was our R A meeting. Well, I learned a lot of scripture that I forgot did did remember John 3.16. It was enough to get me saved. But Reverend Ellis then came to my house because I went to R.A.'s. And I was in the other room, but I heard that man present the gospel to my family. And that was the first seed ever sown in my family. None of them remember it like I do. But I remember it I was because hide- they sent me behind the door for whatever reason and, li- and listened to Pastor Ellis present the gospel. That was not the first time I ever heard the gospel. And then I heard it several times later, and it took three or four times before I got saved. And listen, folks, a lot of people get saved and have heard the gospel a hundred times. But that hundredth time is the trick. Maybe the Holy Spirit's sown it in their hearts, so they need to hear from us. You don't know how many lives you might touch. You get to heaven, there's a big bunch of people that say, how did they all get here? I don't remember leading any of these people to Christ, but you sowed a seed. You sow to seed. Say ye not there yet four months, then comes the harvest. The last thing I say to you, church, today, today God's calling us to that commitment. His call upon us, the calling of God for today, just like He called Moses. But I thank God He's not calling me out of a burning bush. That was <laughs> kind of weird. Uh, but God just calling me through His Spirit, through a, a quiet spirit in my soul, and, and saying to me, as a pastor of all these years with bad knees and I'm worn out and all the things I am, I still want you. I'm still calling you. I, you can still work for me. And I still want to work. I still want to Are you committed, church? Are we committed as people? Oh my, how God is calling us as never before. Oh my, listen to me. The need is greater than it's ever been before. There are people hurting all across this nation. There are brokenhearted people. There are upset people. There are people stressed. And they need Jesus. How shall they hear without a preacher? Who will bring them the gospel? Folks, it's got to be us. The lady you run across at the cleaners. The gentleman you meet at the uh, hardware store when you go, go in. Everywhere you go, you need to take some tracks with you or you need to take some cards or you need to just share your witness for Jesus. Invite them to church. Take a church brochure. Do something. Because God's calling us. To this great harvest. And when is that harvest? Now. The fields. Are already white ready to harvest. That's it. That indicates to me. The harvest was getting ready yesterday. We may be a day late. But let's not too late to get in the harvest. I just want to encourage you church. Commit your life. To Christ. And serve him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time together. And we thank you for this day. This worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.